0: That's Paul's prayer, that the Spirit would open the eyes of your heart, that you may see that this is already the power at work toward those who believe. We've been wading in the deepest, most profound truths that the New Testament has for us, right? And they have not been easy to get our minds around. And many of them we've had to just say, look, we we can't understand this. We can't work this out, but we, we have to believe what the Scriptures are saying to us. So these are some of the weightiest matters of Scripture. Now, when Paul comes to the power of God, we've already seen just how difficult of a time he's going to have putting these things into words. So the temptation that we might have would be to say, well, this is really for the intellectual type of Christian, the deep thinker type of Christian. You know, there's some Christians that really just like to think deeply about things, and there's others that just want to enjoy the simple truths of their salvation. And so we might be tempted to say, these things are just for the intellectual, the deep thinker type of Christian. Brothers and sisters, let me show you something from the book. Because we all agree, unless I show you from the book, ignore me. What does the book say? Number one, the book says that Paul is writing these things to normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill, first-century common people. People whom later on we're going to learn he's writing to husbands, he's writing to wives, he's writing to slaves, he's writing to children. And he expects them to understand these truths. Because he's not writing to social elites. Look at what Paul says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. For I consider your calling, for consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. In other words, Paul is affirming what we know instinctively to be true and that is the true New Testament church has always been made up mostly of the riffraff. It's always been comprised mostly of the have-nots and the haves, but the church, if you walk into a church that's filled with the haves and not hardly any of the have-nots and you look and everyone's just neatly and properly dressed and everybody's just got their life together and all the children are well-behaved and uh, like Prairie Home Companion, all the children are above average, right? And the whole church is above average. And the church looks just like an episode of Father Knows Best or, or the Donna Reed show. Then you do an about face and you march right out because that's not the New Testament church. The New Testament church, Paul says to the Corinthians, we're made up mostly of those, we're not trained in rhetoric. We're not trained in the law. We're not trained in higher learning. Yet, Paul expects them to grasp the deepest truths of God's Word. Now, how can Paul expect untrained common people to grasp the deeper truths of God's Word? Because grasping the deeper truths of the gospel is not an intellectual exercise it's a spiritual exercise. The inability to grasp the deeper things of the gospel is not a failing of the mind. It's a failing of the heart. To struggle with the deeper truths of God is not to struggle with your mental capacity. It's to struggle with your morality. Let me show you from the book. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Paul says to the Corinthians, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Now, we all know the analogy there. Paul's not talking about their diet. He's talking about the fact that when he was there teaching them, he had to hold back the deeper truths of the gospel because they were still needing to to be taught the elemental truths. So he says, when I was there, I was not able to feed you with solid food. You weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it. Why, Paul? Why are they not ready for it? Is it because, as you said elsewhere, that they, not many of them were of noble birth? Is it because you said elsewhere that not many of them were of higher learning? Why are they not ready for the deeper things of the gospel, Paul? For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? That's plain as day. Paul says, you could not grasp the richer truths of the gospel because your life is not in order. Because you're living in the flesh. Because you're behaving like worldly fleshly people. Did I make that up? Or did Paul say that plainly? Your inability, Corinthians, to grasp the deeper truths that I want you to grasp is not due to an intellectual problem or an educational problem. It's due to a heart problem or an ethical problem or a moral problem. When we struggle to grasp the deeper truths of God's Word, it is indicating a heart issue, not a mental issue. Remember good old Peter? When we look at our New Testament, who's the one in the New Testament that really, really gives us the material that we really have to work to grasp? Who is that? Paul. Isn't it Paul? I mean, he's the one we're struggling with now. I mean, he's, he's the one who writes to the Romans, and we're like, wow, that, that is, parts of Romans are so hard to understand here in Ephesians, right? So Paul is the one that the Spirit uses to bring these deeper, profound, richer truths of the gospel, right? And then there's good old Peter. Remember who Peter was? He was the common fisherman. He was the ordinary guy. Paul was trained in rhetoric. Paul was trained in the law. If Paul were alive today, he would have been a PhD. So we can expect Paul to tell us the deeper things of the the scriptures, of the gospel, right? But Peter was a fisherman. And you remember that time when even Peter said, you know what, Paul is hard to understand. Remember when Peter said that, 2 Peter 3.16? Peter said, some of the things in Paul's letters are hard to understand. Yeah, I'm with you, Peter. I can gravitate toward Peter. So, see, there's sort of my ticket out, that even Peter says that some of the things of Paul are hard to understand. So therefore, if a writer of Scripture is saying that some of the things that Paul says are sort of above our heads, that's okay, right? Well, hang on one minute. Let's look to what Peter himself said a little bit earlier in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. Look carefully. Now, as we walk through this, here's what I want you to see. To be looking for a parallel, a parallel between what Peter says right here and the parallel to what we've been talking about here in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The parallel of God choosing a people and then God giving to that people, supernaturally giving to them a hope of the inheritance that's laid up for them. And he's working and bringing about that hope by means of his power. Is that not what Paul's been saying? That's, that's exactly what Paul's been saying. Look for that in Peter's words from, from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds familiar. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Does he sound like familiar concepts? To an inheritance. Again, he's tracking right along with Paul. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. There's our hope. Who, by God's power, here we go to, to God's power. By God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's a pretty decent summary of what Paul's been talking about for about 10 verses now. And yet that comes from Peter. Peter. So it is not true that we can look to Peter and say, well, Peter sort of gives us a pass. The deeper, richer truths of God's word are meant for every believer. How can we say that? Because they come to you by means of the work of the Spirit, illumining in your heart the truths from His word. And the illumining work of the Spirit is what the Spirit does in all believers. And so we can rightly say that even even the most uneducated believer should expect that if their life is being lived in accordance with the Scriptures God has revealed to them, it is the Spirit's work to continue revealing to them the higher, the deeper, the richer truths that God has for all of His people. So that's point number four that we see, that these truths are meant for all believers. Now lastly, we'll wrap up with number five, Paul's prayer. Let's remember what Paul's prayer was. Paul's prayer is not that God would give this power to the Ephesian believers. Paul's not praying, God, I just pray that God would give to you, that He would extend to you the power that I'm talking about, the power to bring about your completed salvation and joy in the Lord. That's not Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer is not that they would receive this power, but that they would know they've already received it. That's Paul's prayer, that you would perceive, that you would understand, that you would see, that the Spirit would open the eyes of your heart, that you may see that this is already the power at work toward those who believe. In your notes here, I just put some of the places where the Scriptures tell us of the power that's already either working in us or available to us. And how the Scriptures will so overwhelmingly teach us of the power that is, again, either already working in us or available to us as we go about His commands. Look at, for example, Romans 1.16. As we seek to be the voice of the gospel, to share that gospel, we're reminded, well, hey, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Or 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Or Colossians 1 verse 29, For this I toil, struggling with all His energy, that He powerfully works within me. Or Acts 1 verse 8, you'll be filled with power. And we could go on. I don't want to spend much time on those. I want to go to to one central thing and just... 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. One central place. Let's, let's see something here. His divine power has granted to us... His divine power has... Past tense. Has granted to us all things. All things what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. All of it. Whatever pertains to life and godliness has already been granted to you. How? By His power. Through what means? Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. The Scriptures teach us that this power working toward our eternal enjoyment is the same power in all believers. So what will be the difference between those two sort of groups of believers that we all kind of know about? You know, there's the group of believers that are just victorious, living in victory over sin. They're forgiving people. They're, they're living in the joy of the Lord. Their lives are evidence of the manifested power of God in their lives. What's the difference between those believers and those who struggle to obey in the smallest ways or struggle to to have any sense of the joy of the Lord or any constancy in their life. What's the difference? Is that one group has been given more power than the other? Is that God has infused into one group of, of believers more Holy Spirit power? Not according to what Paul's saying. If we take Paul seriously with what he's saying here, then the only difference can be not the power that's given, but their perception. The perception of that power. And that's the whole point of this whole section. That you may know. The blessings are ours. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The blessings are ours. The grace is ours. The guarantee is ours. The hope is ours. The inheritance is ours. The power is working toward us who believe. But Paul's prayer is that you would perceive this. Because in perceiving it, remember, going way back now, in perceiving it, that's how the Holy Spirit works to make you like Jesus. To open your eyes, to illumine your heart to the blessings and privileges. does it sound familiar? To the blessings and privileges that are yours in Christ. By illumining our heart to greater perception and clearer truth, clearer understanding of the truth of our blessings and privileges in Christ, that is how we are made to be like Him. That's the whole point of this section. That's the whole thing that Paul's praying for.